Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome on this Monday, November 14th, the year 2022. Who'd have thunk it? The LSU Tigers are heading to Atlanta as SEC West Division champs, and they found the closest thing in a different way to the Honey Badger that I thought I would never see. Strike up the band, the Cowboys have won two in a row and the New Orleans Saints just flat out stink. They're getting worse, and they still haven't hit rock bottom yet. So there's still a ways to fall, and believe me, they will fall. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles, 1041 FM. We're streaming everywhere, and I mean everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you've got a television set nearby, and you want to see a face to match this voice, well, uh, pop on the TV because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. It wasn't beautiful, but you take a win and you run with it like you stole something. And that's exactly what LSU did. They got out of Fayetteville with a win and then waited with anticipation to see what would happen in Oxford, Mississippi. And for the first time since Nick Saban became the coach of the Crimson Tide, everybody that had a vested interest in LSU was pulling for those red elephants to get a win on the road. And Nick Saban and company did not disappoint. Bama beats Ole Miss. And voila, December 3rd, LSU is going to be playing football inside the Mercedes, Mercedes Georgia Dome, whatever they call the thing. And they'll be taking on the Georgia Bulldogs for the SEC championship. Holy cow. What what a um what a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable turnaround. Just unbelievable. On a day when Jaden Daniels was, Daniels was sacked a whopping seven times, where the offense passing game just was non-existent. But on the offensive side, thank goodness for Josh Williams because uh, that boy was running like a man on a mission. The former walk-on, 19 carries for a career-high 122 yards and LSU's lone touchdown. Yeah, but that's that's not what this game was about. This game was the coronation of Harold Perkins. And again, developing a player, simplifying things, getting your best player on the field, and make no mistake about it, Harold Perkins 
is the best player on this football team and clearly the difference maker. He is the closest thing. He is Honey Badger Part 2. He just makes things happen. As a true freshman, he tied the LSU school record with four sacks, forced two fumbles, and, and maybe it was the the MJ game. You know, everybody called it the flu game, all that, whatever, food poisoning, whatever you want to believe. Um, apparently, Perkins threw up before the game, had the flu, was spreading around the club, didn't affect him in any way, shape, or form. Uh, wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but you take the win and you go. Eight o'clock start this Saturday against UAB. I, Look, I'm not the schedule maker. I'm really not. Condolences to my man, Verge Osbury, who lost his father the other day. God bless him. Rest in peace. Uh, Verge, along with the coaching staff and the, and the, uh, the athletic director, come up with these schedules well in advance. I, I hate non-conference games in November. It is what it is. UAB is... Not a great team, but they're not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. LSU's favored by, what, 15 and a half in this one? And then they get Texas A&M so on the regular season finale, the day, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That'll be a 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Of course, you can listen to all the LSU games here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU sports. So um, wasn't beautiful. But it was a beautiful game by um, Harold Perkins. It was beautiful. Um, passing game was non-existent. And, and let me shout out to Greg Penn. He, he was terrific as well. It's the best game he's played at LSU at the linebacker position. Uh, nine total tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. Had a pass breakup. He, he was good. A shout out to Damian Ramos, two for two on field goal attempts. Uh, Jay Bramlett. Punted six times for an average of 43 and a half yards. Two punts inside the 20. Two were over 50 yards. He had a he had a fake, fake punt run for the first down, but a penalty negated that. So um special teams committed three penalties. One that negated that successful fake punt. But other than that, special teams were good. So um a letdown game, yeah. Cold, yeah. Arkansas warning it, yeah. Fighting and struggling to, just to survive, yeah. LSU did it. They're eight and two, man. Eight and two. <laughs> Who saw that coming? Holy cow! Um, uh, set your redo your draft boards for the twenty twenty five draft. You better start moving Harold Perkins way up, way up. Uh, 13-10. So remember, you've got UAB this Saturday. The following Saturday is Texas A&M. And then December 3rd in Atlanta, the SEC championship game. LSU is uh, number six in the AP poll. They are number seven in the USA Today coaches poll. They, they will come out with the uh, the rankings in the college football playoff poll tomorrow. Uh, thanks to Oregon um, losing, everybody else didn't. 
Georgia was a winner. Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. <laughs> Texas pulled another Texas. <laughs> they just always do. They always do. TCU a seven-point underdog, and then they go around and win by seven. So that the top four is not going to change. Tennessee is going to be at number five. LSU is going to be at number six. Uh, Southern USC is going to be at number seven. It's there's no drama in this week's poll, if you ask me. Um, and then things will be determined down the road. So I think it's cut and dried um, that LSU will move up where Oregon was and Southern Cal will move up. We'll see Alabama will probably move up into the top 10 as well. Uh, Ole Miss will drop further. Um, UCF will move up because they took care of the two-lane green wave in the group of five uh, uh, big moments uh, at Yeoman Stadium and Tulane. So uh, it was a shame, but that that dude that that came over from Ole Miss, Rice Plumley, had about 309 yards of offense. Uh, they couldn't stop him. 38-31. Uh, Plumley ran for 176 and two touchdowns on 18 carries. He forced five missed tackles along the way. Uh, he threw the ball well, and the Knights pulled off the win over the Green Wave. Um, now US, UCF will be the highest-ranked Group of Five team and is a new favorite to win the AAC, putting them that much closer to their first New Year's Six Bowl since 2018, the Fighting Gus Malzons. How about that? How about that? Um, Oregon-UCLA, their playoff aspirations ended Saturday. Alabama, Ole Miss, long shots entering the week. Those pipe dreams officially ended when LSU clinched the SEC West. So three SEC teams still remain in contention. Georgia, Tennessee, LSU. This will be only the second time in the playoffs nine-year history that Alabama won't be invited. How about that? Um, We've got a lot to talk about today. Chris Rose for the glue will join us here shortly. We'll talk about don't bring out the bags, but the saints drop the S they are the ain'ts. They, they just literally stink. Start looking for a new coach. Cause that's going to come to a screeching halt after one year. Uh, we'll go over Dennis Allen's record as a coach. And I guess you are what your record says you are plain and simple. Glenn West will talk all about LSU. Our number two strike up the band because McNeese state won another one. Their first Southland Conference win of the season. Their back-to-back wins for the first time. Getting some momentum. And then Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast will join us as well. So a fun-filled uh, day is planned for you and for yours. Don't forget about Monday Night Football. A pair of divisional rivals will face off to wrap up Week 10 of the NFL season. The Washington Commanders go on the road to take on the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night football, um, Eagles are undefeated. Um, the Sixers had a 59 point performance from Joel Embiid yesterday. Oh, they're hyped in uh, the Philly cheesesteak country. They're hyped. But you can listen to the game live here on the game. Pre-game begins at 7. That's Monday night football right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Saints talk. Oh, my God. Next here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. Stay with us. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 16 minutes after the hour on this uh, Monday, November 14th. Uh, the New Orleans Saints lose yet again. Um, not only are they uh, bad, but they are boring, which is the worst combination you could possibly have. They don't make plays on offense. They don't make big plays on defense. They're just bad. Chris Rose glue writer for The Spun at SI Now, Saints podcaster for Boot Crew Media, kind enough to join us. Chris, uh, we can't sugarcoat it, can we? Thank you for your time. They're just bad. Yeah, the, there's no sugarcoating it. Three and seven, literally last place in the NFC South because the Panthers have to tiebreaker over them. And I think the most frustrating part is two weeks ago, they put together a complete win, showed what they could do when they're you know hitting on all cylinders and everything's going right. And then the last two weeks, they've gone back to all the bad habits that plagued them in October and plagued them towards the end of September. Uh, undisciplined, 10 penalties for 71 yards yesterday. A lot of missed tackles. There was a moment where Najee Harris, they had him at, at the 47 of the Saints, and he ended up breaking tackles and getting down to the 20-yard line. Uh, you know, penalties in the red zone that they couldn't afford. The offense had zero points in the second half. So to your point, like what, what did the Saints do well yesterday? You know, I thought some players had nice individual performances. I thought Caden Ellis looked good at times. I thought, you know, Chris Olave had moments where he looked sharp. But overall, offense was flat, turned over the ball late. I think coaching wasn't ideal. And uh, this is an undisciplined team that early in the game, they, they just don't look inspired. And I think now you start to wonder if for the rest of the season, seven games left, are, are these guys in the locker room going to be able to bring that energy week in and week out? Because right now it looks like they don't have it. I go back to that game you talked about that and look that looks like the 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 Raiders look like a dysfunctional team you saw their quarterback crying in a in a post game speech talking about um guy the impression I got not everybody's buying in not, not everybody's listening to what the coach is saying so I I take that win with a grain of salt you know what I mean and um it's just you mentioned it penalties undisciplined um a team that couldn't run the ball all year um, in Pittsburgh, gets over 200 yards rushing. Um, our quarterback throws some interceptions. Where's Alvin Kamara? Where's Taysom Hill? Who's calling the plays? What are they thinking? It's just, look, if a team's not ready to play emotionally, I know players have to do it, but that's coaching, man. Does Dennis Allen survive this? If it continues, I don't see how. I, I just don't because, for me, I came into this year thinking, you know, you, you hired Dennis Allen because you wanted to kind of keep the train moving after Sean Payton leaves and, and keep everything intact as much as possible because you thought you could win in a weak year in the NFC. And the Saints were right about the NFC because I look around, there's, there's really no one in the NFC that looks so dominant that I said, oh, man, that, that is the team that you just can't go up against. But the Saints, a lot of the moves they made haven't worked. The coaching staff, to your point, just sloppy decisions – Taysom Hill has four carries over the last two games. Alvin Kamara had 11 touches overall yesterday. Uh, the Saints are not a team loaded with playmakers right now. 
that they can just afford for Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill to touch the ball about a combined 14 times in one game. That, that just doesn't cut it. So the coaching staff hasn't been great. And for Dennis Allen's defense, they've taken a massive step back. And I know that yesterday the defense isn't really what lost in the game. I mean, for at one point this score was 10-10 throughout the second half. I mean, the third quarter was one of the most uneventful quarters of football I've seen all season. But still, you know, the run game, uh, why are they giving up 200 yards rushing to a Steelers offense that you mentioned they were not moving the ball on the ground at yep. all this season, not getting that push from their offensive line? Well, they got it yesterday. You look at the secondary, two interceptions all of this season. C.J. Gardner-Johnson has three more interceptions by himself on the Eagles this year, so they're not forcing turnovers. And I know people are going to say injuries are a part of it, and, and don't get me wrong, the Saints would they obviously are. be a better team if Eric McCoy was out there, if Marcus Davenport was out there, if Pete Werner and Lattimore were out there. But right. the Saints were so injured last year. Michael Thomas didn't play a down last year. Jameis Winston tore his ACL last year. The Saints had games where the coaching staff couldn't be out there because of COVID, and they found a way to win nine games. In order for the right. Saints to win nine games this year, they got to finish the year 6-1, and one, and I don't see any way <laughs> that's even possible for them. Yeah. Let's look at the schedule. All right, the Rams got beat yesterday by Arizona. They're coming into the Superdome this Sunday. So I'm going to give the Saints a chance to win that one. Okay, At the 49ers, forget it. I know we play well against the Buccaneers, but it looks like they've flipped the switch a little bit. I say no way. So they've got one out of their next three. Uh, the Falcons. Ooh. Okay. You're going to win in Cleveland? You're going to win in Philly? That ain't happening. That's not happening. Not in that cold weather and all that. It's not happening. You got a chance to beat the Panthers. So out of the remaining one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, I think you got a shot to win Maybe three, maybe three. Is that is that fair, the way they're playing? No, I, if anything, I think that's like the optimistic way of looking at it, to your point, because I look at some games on this schedule, the 49ers and Eagles games. I mean, I, I'm not saying Forget don't it. bother showing up, but those are the type of games that you go into and you're like, okay, I, I just don't see how they can win. Uh, you mentioned Cleveland. The Saints gave up 200 yards rushing to a Steelers offense that hasn't been moving the ball on the ground. That Browns attack with Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt, yeah. and mind you, they will have Deshaun Watson for that game. Yes. I don't know how they're able to stop them. That seems like a tough one. Um, yes. So we're banking the fact on can they beat a Rams team that has been just as bad as them? Who knows? I mean, maybe, yeah, like I think it's possible, but who knows with, with that? Nothing's given with this team. And even the games against the Falcons, I know Saints fans would hate hearing this because I hate hearing this, but the Falcons have actually been a better team this year, at least far more consistent no than the Saints. And uh, you know, the Panthers, I, I agree, like, look, that could be a game they win, but they lost to a Panthers team that fired their coach two weeks after the Saints lost to them. So it, it's just such a struggling year. And, and the question becomes, let's say they do win three games, and they are 6-11. Is that enough to bring this coaching staff back? I, I just don't think it no. is because when you made the move to bring Dennis Allen and these guys back, it was to keep this train moving. Now that it seems like this train is not going to be rolling the way it was with Sean Payton, I think you have to kind of go to a different plan, and, and that's fine. I don't blame the Saints for doing what they did. It's just when something's not working and it looks really obvious right now that it's not working, it's better to admit the mistake than keep pushing it and trying to justify the, the old action. Yeah, Chris Roseglue with us. 3-7, which is what the Saints are right now. It's their worst start through 10 games since 2005, Jim Hazlitt's final season. Wow, unbelievable. We've been on quite a run. Uh, since then with Peyton and Breeze and all that. Um, okay, so you've hit rock. Have, have the Saints hit rock bottom? I don't think they have. You know, I, I, I think 
they kind of have because because to our point, you know, if they lose against the Rams, it doesn't really surprise me. I, I don't expect them to beat the Niners or Bucks. So you know, let's say they keep rattling off more losses. I, I think rock bottom was really yesterday against the Steelers because as much as I respect Mike Tomlin and he's a Hall of Famer and what he's They're done bad. is incredible. That's a bad Steelers team this year. Bad. You know, they had two wins bad, going bad, into it. Kenny Pickett had eight interceptions in five games going into that one. Didn't have a pick yesterday. He played turnover free. Um, so many things that the Saints could have done well. I mean, they were down ten nothing. They scored ten in the second quarter to, to gain momentum, and then they didn't score the rest of the game. So I almost feel like rock bottom was yesterday. But who knows? I mean, rock bottom could be worse. I mean, they they could go out this Sunday against a Rams team that's going to be without Cooper Cup and could end up falling short again and if that happens maybe that's the new rock bottom so i'm kind of torn i feel like rock bottom was yesterday but i don't want to underestimate how bad this season has been and maybe it could get worse so you've given andy dalton all these chances i'm not saying Jameis winston's going to be the cure-all but you got to see what you have don't you you got to start him see that that's what i think jordy and and what i don't understand is the, the saints have put themselves in a tough spot because of kind of everything he said about this quarterback situation. I thought when they started Andy Dalton, it was the right move at the time. They were playing kind of complementary football. They were they were moving the chains offensively actually pretty well. But they were so adamant on saying he you know, he kind of earned the starting job and Jameis is healthy enough to play, but they went with Dalton. The whole time if I were them, I would have been just riding the Jameis is injured, Andy's our guy right now, and you kind of leave that door open. But now the question is Jameis already publicly came out and said that he's healthy enough to play, but he's still hurt. Your offensive line right now is without Eric McCoy. It's without Pete. Do you really want to throw Jameis, who's banged up now, you know, behind an O-line that, that got beat pretty bad yesterday at times? So that concerns me. I think they should in terms of if he really does feel like he's healthy enough and, and can move out of the pocket. I think Jameis deserves a chance to start at this point because yeah. you got to shake it up like you said. But if he's going to be back there like a statue because of the foot injury, because of the back injury, he can't move then I don't know how much it changes, if anything. So that, that's where I'm kind of concerned. But they got to change something up to keep running the same thing over and over again is wild to me. So um, I, I do agree if Winston's healthy enough to play and he feels like, hey, I, I can protect myself, then, yeah, you got to throw him out there. But I, I think they're in such a tough spot regardless right now. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Chris Rose, our glue. The Saints played the Steelers without half of the 22 starters they opened the season with against the Atlanta Falcons. So, yes, injuries are certainly a part of this, but there is no energy. There is no enthusiasm. It seems like there's no life and, and that's coaching and that's uh leadership. And I, I just, that's what infuriates me. Go, go out there and get a nine to five job and, and see what they pay you guys for that. Instead of the ridiculous amount of money that you're making um, playing professional football for a career and, and to not be ready to not be fired up and ready to I, I just don't get it, Chris. I've never understood that. And golly, when it goes bad, there's nobody to take the charge and, and, and say, hey, let's turn this thing around. It just gets worse. It, it does. And to your point about the leadership thing, and this is why, you know, when it comes down to the injuries and stuff, I know they're part of the game, but you try to overlook that because I, I looked at a Colts team yesterday that got ridiculed for a week for, for bringing in Jeff Saturday, and this move might blow up on, on, the, on the Colts. You never know. Like, there's still seven games left. It was just one week. But for one weekend, Jeff Saturday kind of came in, and I'm not saying the Colts, you know, looked great. And I know they played against a Raiders team that we know is obviously bad because the Saints beat them 24 nothing. But leadership matters in this league, and being able to light a fire under your players matters. And I think right now, to, to that point that you said, 
I look at the Saints team, the fact that they went from a shutout win to the Raiders back to kind of sleepwalking through games, that concerns me. Is there not that voice in the locker room that can get your guys up every game, week in, week out? You know, because I remember last year when the Saints were banged up and they were going through a revolving door at quarterback, they lost five straight games in a row. They went from five and two to five and seven. And then they, they found a way to, to rattle off a win streak towards the end of the year. And it really, you never thought they really lost hope, even when things got tough. Right now, I watch the Saints team, and they look like they lost hope. The body language looks off. And yeah. it's, it's, if they don't win on Sunday against the Rams, and I don't, I don't really <sighs> expect them to right now, it's just going to keep getting worse. And you start to ask yourself how many you know, losses are you going to sack up this year. So it's disappointing. I thought this could have been yeah. a 10-7 and 7 team at best. They've already hit the seven-loss mark. So um, it, it, it yeah. really is just it's frustrating to kind of see how this season spiraled out of control. One of the biggest disappointments of this uh, NFL season, uh, in my eyes, uh, just crazy. We'll see how long these players, um, whether they check out or whether they check in, and that's going to be the key from here on out. This thing could get really ugly, uglier, quicker. So we'll see. Chris, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. I wish there was some better things we could talk about, but the truth is the truth. Uh, and that is the truth. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. My buddy, you're the best. Chris Rosevoglu with Boot Crew Media. You know, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know that it can also play the game? Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, everywhere you go. All right, the bad taste of our mouth is gone. SEC champion LSU, SEC West Division champion LSU Tigers next up here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. Stay with us. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we welcome you back. Um, As the LSU Tigers went into Fayetteville, it snowed around midnight the night before. Um, Cold temps. But the Tigers figured out a way. They just win. Anytime you get a win on the road, take it. And now they're SEC Western Division champs heading to the, I call it the Georgia Dome, for December 3rd to take on Georgia. But still, a couple of games left to go. Let's talk about the Tigers with our good friend Glenn West, who's kind enough to join us yet again on this Monday. Big fella, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. I just wonder as – um. Have has any new NIL deals come across Harold Perkins' desk today? Oh, I'm sure a few are starting to cross <laughs> his mind a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's he's been sensational. He's been. I'm sure we'll get into more of it, but he's been uh, he's been terrific. I never thought I'd see another player at LSU that had an impact kind of like Teran Matthew had, where just he just he's around the ball, he makes things happen. This guy's just taller, heavier, faster. He, he's Talk about what you saw, and I, yeah, I mean, he could, go, he could go down honestly as one of the all-time greats, not just at LSU, but really in college football. I mean, he has that kind of profile uh, in terms of his athleticism, in terms of his ball skills, um, his ability to just consistently get into the backfield, and you know, I I wrote this in a number of pieces, but I, I can't recall a 
single game that I've watched where a defensive player has had such an impact on the on one single game. I mean, he was just LSU does not win that game if if Harold Perkins isn't on the field creating the havoc that he did. No doubt. Uh, throughout that entire entire game, I mean, he was all in uh, those Arkansas quarterbacks' face uh, and and finished with four sacks, tied a program record, eight tackles. He's now within spitting distance of the all time record in sacks at twelve. He's up to seven and a half this year, and is only about four and a half short now of uh, of catching Arden Key, who did it back in twenty sixteen. So. Just been a tremendous, yeah. tremendous player for LSU, and it, he's done it really for most of the season in a rotational role. You know, it really wasn't until these last couple of games where he was on the field every snap, and you see him doing all these things now for a full game, and it's uh, really, really impressive. I guess what Matthew had going for him was he was so dynamic in the return game, a punt returner, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and all the flash and all, but this kid – I, I heard I heard Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, Brian <laughs> Kelly, Chip Kelly. He's done. They got beat. Their yeah. history. Um, I heard Brian Kelly say, "Now teams are." I've never heard this before. Teams are starting to spy. Have a spy for Harold Perkins. I, I've heard of defenses having a spy for a quarterback. I've never heard of an offense having a spy for a defensive player. What's that about? Yeah, it- it's one of the more interesting uh, quotes that we got from Coach Kelly today. I just posted in our most recent story uh, just a couple of highlights of, of some of the press conference stuff he said. But, yeah, I mean, look, team uh, Harold Perkins was put in there to be spies on quarterbacks, and I think defenses are now starting to realize that, hey, we've, we've got to know where this guy is at all times. I mean, we, we've got to have a player that's – really devoted to just stopping him. And so Coach Kelly mentioned that they are already having those conversations as a defensive staff of, you know, what happens when, you know, teams start putting a running back or a tight end uh, on the field to just block Harold and keep him away from the quarterback. So they're going to find some interesting ways. But honestly, that just schemes up everybody else. Oh, B.J. Ogilari just going up the draft charts. My goodness gracious. Absolutely. I just got an email from Michael Bonnet. Uh, Your deadline for SEC championship game credentials is Wednesday, November 23rd. So just, I just wanted to give you a little heads up. So you can look at mine your are email. in. I hope I get approved, but mine are in. <laughs> You're in like Flynn, big guy. You're in like Flynn. Uh, Glenn West with us. Okay, so no question Harold Perkins was the um, was the star of stars. Under the radar, though, Josh Williams. Yeah. If you don't have him, I don't care how good Harold Perkins is, you don't move the ball at all without Josh Williams. He's been the uh, the feel good story of really the entire season for me. I mean, he uh, you know, former walk on. We've gotten to talk to him a number of times. Just a really, really good guy with a yeah. good head on his shoulders. You, you root for play for people like that who just kind of had a had to work their way up the ladder. And and Josh Williams is certainly in that boat. He now has, I believe, it's two or three straight games of over a hundred yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And, you, you tough said, yards too. Tough. Yeah, tough. yeah, that's the thing about Josh is that he runs so passionately and with such force, uh, but at the same time also brings a real calming influence to this offense when he's out on the floor, out on the field. He just looks different. Uh, this offense looks different when he's out there and helping contribute in the blocking game, and certainly when he's running the ball. So, yeah, he's he's turned into one of their more more influential players really on the entire roster, and it's a really cool thing to see. Glenn, I was pushing Jaden Daniels for a, a Heisman mention. A Heisman, me- what happened? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, a complete, things. complete yeah. one eighty. 
it was a complete 180. Um, you know, you, you hate to make excuses for guys, but like I, I, I happen to believe the, the weather conditions probably played a factor into it. Um, just okay. purely from the vantage point is that you saw the receivers not creating as much separation uh, throughout the entire course True. of that game. Um, you know, the offensive line had its struggles. You know, I think it was the first time really we got to see kind of uh, you know, Emory Jones look like a freshman at right tackle. He was uh, really struggling at times. And, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with Coach Kelly talked about it after the game and even today, the pressure, the aggressiveness that the Arkansas pass rushers were getting with only rushing three guys. Uh, yeah. LSU just wasn't able to really adjust and, and, and make those corrections throughout the game. And certainly Jaden did not have a good performance. He wasn't accurate with the ball. He was uh, not making quick decisions um, like he had been these last three games or the previous three games that had really worked out well for him. But, you know, you, you flush it, you learn from That's it. Right. You That's that, right. Uh, hope that you can get a good, I guess, get right game is the right way to put it yeah. for this weekend at home. There's a reason Arkansas leads the SEC in sacks. They they just came after him. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's something that this young offensive line can learn from um, and uh, watch the tape and say, okay, here's this stunt. I'm, I completely whiffed on that one. Um, so, yeah, a lot to be learned. Still a work in progress, but holy cow. Uh, I wish I'd made a bet on this. Uh, that S- LSU would get to the SEC. I mean, has ever has there ever been a time since Nick Saban became the coach at Alabama that every LSU fan in the world was pulling for Alabama on a Saturday? Never. I don't think so. And, you know, look, I think it's just – it's an incredible feat. I mean, not only did they capture the SEC West, and not only have they done it with going through the adversity that they have this year with losing to Tennessee and some of the injuries and some of the inconsistencies with this group – uh, in year one, but they've done it with still two weeks left to go in the season. I mean, when's the yeah. last time the SEC West was decided uh, with two weeks to go in the year with Alabama's name not at the top? I mean, I'm sure Alabama's done it once or twice, and 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 but you know they they have been the the pinnacle in terms of this conference, in terms of this division for sure uh, over the last decade plus. And so for LSU to really kind of have this complete turnaround the last month, five weeks of the season. Uh, it's just really something you can springboard off of into the future and kind of showing, you know, hey, this is how we can win the, late in the season. This is how we can have success. Uh, and and they, they're they capitalizing on all of it right now. LSU's going to honor 17 seniors this weekend against UAB. 13 of those 17 have already graduated from LSU, much the same way you went through college, graduated early, hung around, did all that. I, know, I understand. Sure, um, sure. I know. Um, I hate I hate these non-conference games in November. I just do. Um, I, I just, but it is what it is, um, and you got to get through it. Uh, what 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 do you think is the approach Coach Kelly takes this week, getting ready for this game? Yeah, I mean, I think the approach stays the same. It stays consistent. I think that's been kind of the lesson we've learned from Kelly and this coaching staff and kind of how they operate. You know, they they want to treat every game like it's, you know, an Alabama or, or a, you know, a, a road game against Arkansas, no matter who they're playing. Because um, you, you see the the, the highs and the, the ebbs and the flows of this thing, right? I mean, you saw the ultimate high of the high against Alabama and you saw – uh, a little bit. I mean, I would say it was probably a little bit of a letdown performance against Arkansas last weekend. You know, they didn't really execute the way they wanted to offensively. And luckily, the defense kind of pushed them out of the game and, and got them through it. 
Um, but you know, you you got to approach these games uh, really consistently. And UAB is a team that's probably a little bit better than their record. They're five and five this year, but they have uh, the leading rusher in the country right. uh, coming to the town, and he aver- he's averaging over uh, almost seven yards a carry. He's got fourteen hundred yards on the season already. Um, so that's a guy they're going to have to scheme for. Um, you know, defensively, they're a uh, pretty shrewd operating crew. They got a veteran group. They got guys that can make plays in the secondary and get some pressure up front. So this isn't your typical non-conference game. I think this is going to be a, a good challenge for yeah. LSU in terms yeah. of how to get back right on the right track. And you always want to leave a good taste in your senior's mouth, and you, and you can't you, – you got momentum going. You don't want to be that three teams, three losses in the SEC championship game. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, no. Uh, you, no, you got to you got to take care of business against this one. So um, let, let's turn it over. I, I haven't seen one basketball game yet. Um, and I I take it with a grain of salt. The women, <laughs> they keep scoring 100 points. I know. I don't care who you're playing against. If you score 100 in women's basketball, you got some scores. They beat Western Carolina 107-34. I, I'm not going to I'm going to reserve judgment till they play somebody with a pulse. Yeah, no, I, I would agree on that. And, you know, I think the the more interesting conversation is probably, you know, with the men right now. Yeah, coming um, next. I mean, of course, the, you know, the women have just been dominant. I mean, the, the offense has been there. I mean, I think they're going to be able to score with anybody in the country and yeah. have a really solid season. Um, I, I just have questions about, about the men's team. You know, honestly, they – Me too. Me they too. They came out in these first two games – um, it's been a little bit rocky, you know, there, there's been some good moments. Uh, Adam Miller has been a really good bright spot early in the year through two games. Um, but you know, I, I have questions about the size of this team. Um, and, and when that size gets in foul trouble, uh, are they going to be able to rebound and compete with some of these bigger sec teams? And I just don't know that I have an answer for that right now. I think that's something McMahon is going to have to scheme around. Uh, their size is going to be a little bit of an issue I would say for most of this year. And, uh, you got to hope that these guys, you know, kind of adopt that gang rebound approach and and send a bunch of guys at the rebounds because you gave up. Uh, I want to say they gave up 28, 30 points in the paint in their second game, and they gave up twenty six in their uh, first game. Yeah. Um, so that's just not a good recipe when you're giving up that many points in the paint to teams like uh, you, you know, the two they played so far, Arkansas so, State, Arkansas right, yeah. State, and yeah, it's just not 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 a good recipe for success. I know it takes time. I know it's it's all part mm-hmm. of the process, and hopefully they'll get better and better. I still, I I don't know if they have enough scores. I yeah, really don't. I don't. Because well, if Adam Miller is going to be your guy, there's there's smart coaches in this league, and there's really good, talented players. You got to come up with three, two or three other guys that can get you fifteen to twenty, or you're going to be in trouble. And I think they're in trouble right now. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably pretty consistent. I think the one thing that I have been impressed with is not only Miller's ability to shoot, but to create for others too. He's a really I think underrated passer. And so I hope that they open up the offense even more where he's got the ball in his hands and making those decisions and uh, that he's able to make those decisions. But because right now the offense pretty much is Adam Miller. I mean, the, Justice Hill has been able to create a couple of opportunities for other guys. Uh, he, he's a, he's a nice little, he's a nice scorer and he can do some things. Um, but the, the one thing that's really been tough on LSU, I think is KJ Williams, their big guy, He's gotten in foul trouble in both these first two games, and he's yeah. a guy that you're going to have to rely on to score 15 to 20 points a game uh, for, for for this offense to really be executing at its best. So, 
you got to hope that he can get out of, you know, some of the foul trouble situations he's cropped up in. Uh, hope maybe that Jalen Reed or uh, Mwani Wilkinson, one of these guys can kind of get a little bit more aggressive on offense and and, and hope that they can uh, kind of scrape this together in non-conference play because it, it, it's, it's a little sloppy looking right now, but that's something I think you would probably expect at this point in the year. Kim, you're better than that. Schedule teams that actually can compete – Quit scheduling these these. Oh my God, it's awful. Uh, anyway, anyway, I got a prediction for you. That game Saturday, Arkansas, um, tells me Jaden Daniels is coming back next year because he ain't ready for the NFL. He's just not. He's coming back next year to improve his draft stock. They'll give him a big NIL deal to entice him to come back. And Garrett Nussmeyer is going to transfer. He's going to probably go to some SEC school. There you go. That's a that's a that's a bold prediction. I would say um, definitely the the first point. I, I, I'm starting to lean a little bit towards in terms of Daniels returning. Uh, I just think there's a lot of opportunity here in terms of coming back next year. You, I mean, you think about it. You know, he probably comes in as one of the top returning quarterbacks, no in the doubt, NCAA and in the country, no doubt. Uh, the NIL opportunities will be there, um, and and LSU will have a lot of its weapons back. I mean, this is still a pretty young team. Yes. Yes. Uh, with with some young receivers, you're probably losing Booty. You're probably losing Jenkins. But other than that, I mean, you've got Best. You've got uh, Brian Thomas, Thomas. And Neighbors, and Hilton Mason Taylor. So yeah. so some really good players. Uh, Hilton, after he gets back from injury, should be a, a pretty good weapon to have as well. So I, I I could see it. I mean, the 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 foundation is there for him to return and for LSU to have a, a you know a second year with him, but. Uh, at the same time, you never know what a guy's thinking, so I'm, I'm not That's sure. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's just a prediction. Josh Williams is he is he coming back next year? Or is he done? He can come back next year. Come uh, on back, Josh. I'm not sure if he will, but I, he can come back. So come on back, baby. Yeah, we'll you see, see. A and M's already talking trash already <laughs> for the LSU game. You see that? Well, there was a funny thing going on our board right now. There was a bunch of A&M people, I guess, talking on their 24-7 board of how they can offer Harold Perkins so much money to try to get him to transfer to A&M next year. (laughs) And a bunch of our LSU 24-7 guys were just crucifying that board and uh, getting in there. So we'll we'll see. That's the the Aggies bowl game. Can you believe they're going to be talking about that for the next weeks? That's our bowl game. Let's Let's put a kink in in the Tigers and let's get them. Oh, I can't. Oh, yeah. A and M. Have you ever we'll seen? Have you ever seen any team with so much expectations be so bad? So bad. Uh, I, I I no, I haven't. I mean, offensively, they're just a train wreck right now. Yeah. I mean, it feels like they're on their fifth quarterback, and they probably didn't even have five on the roster to start yeah. with. So only team yeah. that must feel only team that must feel worse is Kentucky. Well, I, it's uh, is Stoops calling it? Not a not a basketball school anymore. Is he complaining about that? They lost to Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. But I would still hate to be A and M. Honestly, I, I think you're you're right there. Uh, oh, they're bad with with the worst of them. If you're looking at A and M right now, it's just not been a good time for those guys. So if you keep the coach, it means you're blaming the players. And if you keep, means you blame the if you like the players and you you got to get rid of the coach. Something has to happen. Something has to happen. There's going to be a lot of transfer portal activity this year. Yes, indeed. Very interested to see which guys else you can bring back into the fold. Um, No question. They lost a lot of those guys to to A&M last year. Don't let Texas A&M buy you, big fella. Don't you let them buy you. Stay right here where you belong. (laughs) But thank you for your time as always. And uh, SEC West champs, can't believe it. Good for them.
Hard to believe, but they're yep. here. All right. Thank you, Glenn. Sorry. Take care. Glenn West, 247 Sports, bringing it to us. Yes, indeed. We'll take a timeout. Uh, Harold Perkins named uh, the SEC Defensive Player of the Week again. It's the second honor in as many days. Um, he was named the Walter Camp Defensive Player of the Week on Sunday. You go, dog. You go. Get your NIL deals. Keep this kid. We'll be back to wrap up our number one here on the Jordy Helpert Show. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, if you're looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our, of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. Get your shopping done early. You can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Uh, we'll talk McNeese State football. We'll talk more about the LSU Tigers. Our number two straight ahead here on the Jordy Helpberg Show. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. Jim Gazzolo of the American Press in Lake Charles will join us here in uh, about 10 minutes or so, and we'll talk about the McNeese State Cowboys, winners of back-to-back ball games and the first Southland Conference win for Coach Goff. So congratulations to him. And Bob Blake Rafino will join us as he does each and every Monday. I to talk more about LSU. Still the story of the stories. Um, LSU gets a win. It was, wasn't pretty. It was a defensive battle. Harold Perkins was phenomenal. Josh Williams was terrific on the ground for LSU offensively. Some turnovers here and there. Um, but I never, honestly, honestly, I never felt like the outcome was in danger. Don't ask me why, but I never, I just didn't think Arkansas had anything offensively that they could do. It was this LSU just trying to survive, survive and advance. Um, and when you can do that against an SEC team on the road and, and a team in a rivalry game and you're playing for that, that golden boot trophy, so it's a rivalry game and it has an impact. And it was a packed stadium. Arkansas fans showed up, showed out. They were ready. Um, but you know, without KJ Jefferson, now your second string quarterback is ineffective. So you go with your third string. I just never thought Arkansas had enough firepower, uh, to get going. So they win it. Now it's now, uh, now it is a get, get right kind of a game against, uh, Alabama, Birmingham and LSU opens up 
a 14 and a half point favorite today in that one. The Raging Cajuns have to travel to Tallahassee. Uh, the Seminoles are a 24 point favorite on that one. Got a little two lane action on Thursday. They host SMU and it opened up at four and a half and now it's at three. Two lane favored by three on Thursday night. Shout out to St. Thomas More's girls volleyball team. State champs yet again. They've got, I can't remember her name. I, my daughter plays volleyball. She's a freshman at St. Joseph's Academy. Oh, by the way, my other daughter's a senior at St. Joseph's Academy. She plays basketball. Um, I'm just going to say this. She received her first scholarship offer. How about that? It's an in-state school. I'm going to keep it quiet on that. It's an in-state school, but she got a first scholarship offer. How about that? Anyway, daddy wouldn't, wouldn't mind having a free tuition for his daughter to college if that's where she decides to go. If that's what she wants to do. Um, anyway, I, I saw all these teams uh, play because my daughter plays volleyball. And, um, you know, Dominican won uh, in the highest class of the uh, select and Dunham won. St. Thomas More's best team I've seen. They got some girl. I can't remember her name, but she's signed a scholarship with LSU. She is some kind of good. Um, so congratulations to them. We had the cross country state championship over in Natchitoches uh, today. So um, to all those schools participating, I hope that I turned out for you. Cold, cold temps um, as we go along that way. So, again, um, it's an amazing, amazing deal when you get a coach that comes in and he's got a reputation as being a winner. And that's what Brian Kelly had, a, a reputation as a winner. And all these players see all this stuff. They they see the contract that he got. You know, it's a hundred million dollars. They, they they see all that. Um, and that was up to the coach, Brian Kelly, to, to come up with the staff that he needed, and to go and hit the portal and get players, and sign some players. I don't know if Brian Kelly really believed that. Um, the two offensive tackles the tight end, and this phenom of a linebacker would have the impact that they're having. I don't know if he did or not. If he did, then he's a phenomenal judge of talent and a great developer. And that's the coaches that work with these players every day. The head coach is a supervisor. He's walking around. He certainly has input, but it's those coach, that position coach, day in, day out. Look at Josh Williams and the job that uh, Frankie Wilson's done with him, day in, day out. But these guys have bought in. They have bought in, and they get along, and that that's that's rare. Not not so much on the college front. You can get that, um, but it's it's kind of rare. Um, and you win that game against Arkansas, and your your star Jaden Daniels has a very mediocre at best game, very mediocre. Uh, he held on to the ball and give give Arkansas credit. They um, they got after him. They got after him. Um, pass protection eh, left a lot to be desired. He held on to the ball an awful line time, long time. Um, a solid defensive game plan by the Razorbacks. It focused on keeping him in the pocket and sacking him and blitzing and blitzing and blitzing and blitzing. They were relentless. Um, he had an interception. 
and he had a fumble. Remember those things all year long? He'd only had one turnover all year long. So those two first-quarter turnovers, and then I think I think LSU got a little bit conservative, a little vanilla in their play calling. And so you put that all in the hopper, and maybe that's why statistically Jaden Daniels didn't have the game that we have become so accustomed to him having. Let's certainly hope that this is um, an anomaly and not a trend. I don't think it is. I think he's too good. I think he'll be fine. Um, And maybe they can help him out a little bit when there are blitzes. Maybe um, a shorter passing game, some crossing routes, some slants, little things like that. Um, You know, get your tight ends a little bit more involved. Shorter routes when they're blitzing like that. Well, Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's always a live and learn situation. It's always better to learn after a win. Always better to learn after a win. Now, how does this look? I'm not going to even talk about Georgia down the road. I'm not. Um, got to win these next two games, plain and simple. You got to win it. Um, didn't see the the Tennessee um, football game, but <laughs> but apparently Tennessee was up like 59 to something. And they just kept on going and they beat, they tacked on a touchdown very, very late to beat helpless Mizzou 66 to 24. Just goes to show you a program that doesn't get it. They haven't been there. Style points. (laughs) 59 is not enough. You got to score seven very, very late, throwing the ball all over the yard. Come on, Tennessee. Act like, well, act like you've been, well, no, they haven't been there. So they can't, they can't. Um, Billy Napier, his crew got better and better. They pummeled South Carolina 38 to six, 38 to six. Georgia, no problem with Mississippi State, 45 to 19 in the Battle of the Bums. Um, Auburn beat Texas A&M Cadillac Williams gets a win and Jimbo Fisher. It's, it's like I said, in the NFL last week, I said the, the person that has the most to worry about and all the pressure is on Josh McDaniel, the head coach of the Vegas Raiders. Cause just Saturday's coming in playing uh, coaching for the Indianapolis coach. He, he's never coached before. Nobody expects them to win. He puts Matt Ryan back in as a starting quarterback and they beat Vegas. Well, AM goes on the road to play Auburn, and Auburn's got a new coach. And for that one game, that team gets up, they get competitive, and a 13 to 10 win, just like LSU beat Arkansas, that same kind of score. The shocker of shockers, Vanderbilt goes on the road to the Commonwealth. And for the first time in 20 something, after 20 something consecutive SEC losses, Vandy beats Kentucky 24 to 21. I don't hear Mark Stoops chirping about John Calipari saying this is a foot basketball school because it is, Stoops. Don't ever, 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 ever forget it. Ever forget it. Um, Ole Miss, Alabama, Ole Miss wins it. Very competitive game, 30-24. Bryce Young showed yet again why he is the the best player on the field. He is that good. Um 
He really is so cool, so calm, so collected. Uh, he's just good. He's just good. 21 of 33, 209 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, so he, he's, he's good. He's just good. And Bama um, defensively came up with what they had to when they needed to. They came up with the stop when they needed to get it late. And for once, LSU fans around the world cheering for the Crimson Tide. Um, so, again, LSU six in the AP poll, seven in the coaches poll. They'll be number six in the college football playoff poll. Is There'll be no changes other than Oregon dropping and LSU taking their spot. It'll be Georgia one, Ohio State two, Missouri three, TC, I mean, Michigan three, excuse me, Michigan three, uh, TCU four, Tennessee five, LSU six. Plain and simple. And then we'll see what falls after that. Who'd have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Wow. Amazing. All right. Um, let's take a quick time out here when we come back. Uh, strike up the band. McNeese, back-to-back wins. Jim Gazzola, who covers them for the American press in Lake Charles. We'll talk, give some love to the Cowboys. By the way, did any of y'all see the uh, season premiere of Yellowstone last night? Huh. How good was that? That's that's just that's great TV, man. Kevin Costner and Co- that is great stuff. I loved every second of it. I can't wait till next Sunday for the next showing of it. Can't wait. I sound like Bart Scott. Can't wait. All right, we'll be back. Jordy Helpert show on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And we're still reveling for the World Series champion, Houston Astros, although they they keep getting rid of people. GM gone. It's just a gone. Boom, boom, boom. They got Dusty Baker back for one more year. Anyway, we'll be back. Stay with us. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Back-to-back wins. Welcome back. 17 minutes after the hour here on this uh, Monday, November 14th. Happy times in Lake Charles. If you're a McNeese State Cowboy fan, and Jim Gazzola kind enough to join us on the uh, the throws of a 21-10 win on the road at Houston Christian. Jim, happy happy Monday, man. How are you? Oh, things are looking up in the chuck. (laughs) <laughs> that's great. Um, anytime that's the first uh, Southland Conference win for Coach Goff, back-to-back wins, some momentum going. And what I like about it is these guys keep fighting, man. I don't care who you're playing against. It's very easy to check out at this time of the year, but these guys haven't. So sum up the game for me, please. Uh, run, run, Run! Uh, they, they, yeah. um, they got had to be a quick game. Then. Yards on a Marcus McElroy. They got Ooh. 197 out of Dante McMahon, and they just basically ran the football right down the throats of uh, the Huskies. Jim, who who is Marcus McElroy? He is a senior who is a transfer from uh, Colorado State. Um, who? For whatever reason, got lost in the shuffle and uh, had very few touches the whole year. Only only 38 yards going into Saturday. And when Josh Parker got dinged up, they needed somebody to kind of 
relieved the load from Deontay McMahon, and he just started running over people. Wow. Um, 136 yards on 12 carries, touchdown runs of yep. 16 and 11. My gosh, somebody got Wally pipped. Well, the, the interesting thing about it was, you know, McMahon actually was three yards away from 200 again, and he got hurt. So McElroy picked up the slack. Um, but it, it's a lot about it is just they've committed to the run now. Uh, they did have three interceptions, and two of them were in the end zone, and two of them were on balls that could have been caught. So mm. it, it's, all not, it's all not pie in the sky, but uh, yeah. the run game is there. And, hey, if they win um, three in a row, it will be the first time since 2019. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, defense must have stepped up a little bit, I would think. Yeah, defense played great. They got a lot of young guys in the back in the secondary. They gave up one long touchdown uh, with the uh, – the wind was blowing about 35 miles an hour. So when you had the mm. wind, you threw. When you didn't have the wind, you had to run. They gave up one long play. Uh, but other than that, they keep testing the freshmen on the corners, and the freshman corners are coming up big. Wow. Um, you must have been into the wind a lot because McNeese ran it 56 times for 346 yards. You must not have had the wind behind you too much. I don't think the wind mattered when uh, <laughs> you're running the ball that well. So yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to see more of it. As, hey, it makes for an early deadline. That had to be a quick game. That's awesome. Um, that was a quick now you game. Got a ch- Go ahead. No, that was a quick game. And, you know, Jordy, the big thing is the fans here, they don't charge the field or anything, but they do start chanting Jordy because they know you're going to talk about them on Monday if they win. There you go. I like that. There you go. Uh, you got a chance to do it one more time uh, when Lamar comes in. And you said these are definitely winnable games. Lamar's 1-9. and nine. Man, how great would it be to end this season on a three-game winning streak? Well, like I said, it hasn't happened since 2019. Uh, it would be ideal for them because it, it shows, especially like seeing a, a Marcus McElroy, a senior, a grad transfer who isn't, you know, he has no reason to stay in, in, the, in the program and to stay aggressive and to stay ready, but he did. So you, you've seen the seniors buy into let's finish strong, which we haven't seen here in the last couple of years, by the way. Yeah. That was not the case. Um, but we do see it now. And I think that's that's kind of when I talk about culture change. That's kind of the culture change I talk yeah. about is they seem engaged still, even at practice today. That they called off practice, but everybody was at meetings. They want to finish strong. See what happens when you win? You get practices called off. You have only meetings. See, that's that's the thing about winning, man. Is everybody gets to rest a little bit. It's all the mental game. If you don't know by now, right? What 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 good is it going to do? Well, that, that's true, and also I don't think they want to practice in the rain, and it's uh, it's not good. Going to be good here later on, and it's starting to get bad. So yeah, it's heading this way as well. So um, I'm with you. Um, wh- what do you think of uh, look? And again, I think this team has gotten better. Certainly, the schedule has gotten better for them along the way. But the fact, yes. like you said, um, they haven't checked out. That certainly is a quite a feather in the cap of coach golf and and all the coaching staff they're in they're engaged they've bought in um do you lose a lot of players from this team or do you feel good about what's coming back for next year no you lose hardly anybody that's the thing is they're going to only have about four or five seniors walk 
uh, on senior yeah. day, maybe six. I, I think I have to look at the numbers. Very few of them were here for the whole program. A lot of kids will be back, especially getting uh, uh, Durham back for the red shirt, I think really is a positive. But it, none of this matters unless they find a quarterback. And I don't think the quarterback for next year is on the roster. Gotcha. So that's got to be that's got to be number one. If, if that doesn't happen, then none of it matters. Uh, Deontay McMahon, um, the first Cowboy since 2015 to run for more than a thousand yards in a season. He's over 2,000 in his career. Is he a senior? Yeah, he is. Dang! Can you get one more year out of him? No, there, there. He is a he is COVID. He is COVID up. There's like COVID up. <laughs> he's oh, all done. Shucks. Um, Shots. But uh, he is—he's been great for them. But they have some running back. Running backs is not going to be the issue. I, I, again, can they it's find the alpha receiver in the room? Can one of the freshmen now, uh, John McCall, can he step up? Uh, somebody to give Mason Pierce time, and also can somebody get there to pull the trigger on the play? You got to have a quarterback in this world. Yeah. Right. And right now, yeah. he's not on the roster. Um. Well, congratulations to the Cowboys for getting the win. Again, Lamar, season op- season finale, senior night, a chance to get on a three-game win streak to close it out. That would be tremendous. And then you shift your focus to basketball. How are we doing on the hoops department? How are the men doing this year? Well, they're one and one. Uh, they okay. lost at Tulane last. But here's the interesting thing about the men. This week, which is really a big step for their program, they host a three-team uh, or a what is a four-team round-robin uh, mid-major cool. tournament cool. with Western Carolina, Lindenwood, and Lamar coming in. And that's a huge thing because that proves the Legacy Center is back. Yes. Boy, that's a beautiful facility, too. I'm telling you, yeah. they, they, they did that thing up right. That's really nice. Well, they had to do it twice, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. What about the girls' team? Uh, they're one and one. They go to um, uh, they actually go to Illinois Wednesday, Ooh. and then Ooh. they play number fourteen Ohio State in Ooh. money games for women yeah. uh, on Sunday. Um, I think they're going to be good. Uh, it kind of depends on how quickly they come together chemistry wise. But they're a big team. They they got when he got here, they only had one player over six feet. They now have ten. So wow. <laughs> he went big. Wow. I'm curious. What you said a money game? I know what the football teams get and all. What, what's the normal take for a money game for women's basketball? Do you have any idea? Uh, yeah, women's basketball is roughly when you go to a Big Ten, uh, roughly a, about about ten fifteen thousand, okay. uh, depending on who who you're playing, where you're going, and that. But like the men, um, I think it's about. I think they're getting like either ninety thousand or a hundred thousand when they do their money games this year. Wow. Wow, very nice. Very, very nice. All right, uh, Jim Gazzolo. Um, man, tell them, tell them when, and I'll talk about them on Monday. Tell them, keep winning. They'll start chanting, Jordy. <laughs> Goodbye. Again, Get we don't charge here. the field. See you we later, buddy. Thank you very much, Jim Gazzola of the American <laughs> Press. Kind enough to join us. Of course they chant, Jordy. You know they do that. Um, they, they, if you drive around, you see the Christmas trees already out? for you to buy and bring home you see that it's I, I can't believe it november 14th well you can listen to all your favorite christmas classics even your local cajun christmas songs on the louisiana christmas channel non-stop christmas music 24 7 on the louisiana christmas channel you can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com 
or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. If I bought one of those teas today, by the time the first week of December came, those needles would be falling off. No, 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 no. I'm not the, I, everybody's entitled to their own, do your own thing. I'm Black Friday. That tree goes up in my house. That's it. That's it. I got to have Thanksgiving. Got to have Thanksgiving. Then we do Christmas. That's just me. Anyway, um, we'll take a time out here when we come back. Blake Rafino. More on those Tigers that are heading to the Georgia, what do they call it? The Mercedes Stadium, whatever, uh, whatever. It's not the Superdome, Mercedes Georgia Dome, whatever you want to call it. I don't care, um, but they're going. Play Georgia. LSU fans making their reservations as we speak, as we speak. Who to thunk it? All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. The Jordy Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the SEC West Division champion LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. You think we carry bad teams on our station? No way. No way. We'll be back. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest. The best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back. Sad news at the University of Virginia. Former Wahoo football player suspected of killing three football players and wounding two other students on campus late Sunday night is in custody after a manhunt in Charlottesville, Virginia, police confirmed today. Just, oh, I feel so badly. And Brian Kelly and his press conference opened up his uh, Monday press conference talking uh, about that. So our thoughts and prayers to all those that have, um, that are involved in this situation. Golly sakes, I can't think of anything uh, worse, to be quite honest with you. But um, we're here to talk about the good and the good are the SEC Western Conference champion LSU Tigers. Wow. Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast joins us yet again on this Monday. We're so appreciative of that. Blake, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Doing good, oh, Jordy. How are you? Oh, okay, good. I'm very, very good. Um, I, I always sum it up this way. You played college ball. I played college basketball. Anytime you go on the road – I don't care. Just get one more point than the opponent. Take it and run home as fast as you can. It's not easy. It is definitely not easy. So your thoughts on, we'll get into Harold Perkins and all that kind of stuff, but your thoughts on the game. Well, a couple of things. If what Brian Kelly said was true, which obviously it is true, but if your team has been struggling through, you know, the flu, as an example, um, you know, I think that that can be a hindrance. You know, I mean, Jordan's crying out loud. They had chicken broth on the sideline, right? I mean, um, so, you know, do you weigh that into so it? Wait, wait, would, then, you, would you get the chicken broth or the, um, or the, um, uh, clam chowder? Gosh. No, I'm talking about the hot chocolate. What would you get? Oh, no, I'm not a, I'm not a chocolate eater. I don't <laughs> like chocolate, really. I, give me All the right, chicken so- broth. 
So we had a little flu going around. Um, I understand. And look, that's a big game for Arkansas. Big game. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if, you know, like you said, some of these games, Jordy, you just got to go out there and win. For, so let's give an example. Like, so you, everybody believes that Georgia is the best team in the country. Well, Missouri took them to the final wire, right? A&M's at 3-17. and 17, They took Alabama to the final wire. Sometimes you're going to just have these games. That's right. That's it's right. cold. It's you know it's cold. It's wet, and Arkansas took away probably LSU's biggest weapon in the sense of Jordy. They were putting water on the field when it was freezing and snowed. <laughs> You're taking away LSU's speed. Like I, I look, I'm not trying to be rude to the people of Arkansas, but <laughs> what are you remotely thinking? A little gamesmanship, I don't know. huh? Yeah, a little gamesmanship. Yeah. Well, I Look, will remember that. I'm a, hey, uh, you know, Jordy, you know what I'm going to do during baseball season? I'm going to let a possum out during the Arkansas-LSU baseball <laughs> weekend. How about that? That's funny. That's funny. Blake Rafino with us. All right, <laughs> let's 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 cut to the chase. Let's get to the elephant in the room. Uh, I never uh, – Harold Perkins is – has an impact on the game unlike anything I'd seen before Tyron Matthew. They, they both somehow, some way – they're always, they're always around the ball. They're always making things mm-hmm. happen. And that, wow, wow, that's all I can say. Yeah, I, I mean, and Jordy, I'm going to say something that's going to push some people back. But, I mean, he might even have a little bit more of an impact at times than what Tyron did in the sense of that, uh, just talking defensively, not talking special teams, but just defensively. Right. Because he plays in the front seven, right? Because right. if he's gonna if he's gonna have that type of impact and can affect the quarterbacks and affect the running game, well, Tyron did some amazing things. Let's not get it twisted. But at the same time, and Brian Kelly talked about this as well. Now offenses have to do what really Harold Perkins has been doing against them, and you got to spy him. Me, Jordan. What is so? What does that mean? So, basically, during the week, you know, like, so when we had elite pass rushers, when we played on the edge, you I, you know, I, the first thing that I had as a center was I'd make, a, you know, some, some type of call to where I would look back to the running back and give him the call for the protection, meaning because if we had a tight end on one side or wh- whatever it may be, because you've got you to block an, uh, an elite pass rusher or, or, or a guy – but, see, here's the thing, though. There's not a lot you can do if he's spying the quarterback. Now, the question will ultimately become, what do you do with him when you have Georgia, who Stetson Bennett doesn't run the ball a whole lot? Like, these next couple of games are going to be really key on how they use him. Um, but really and truthfully, because your defensive line has been so good the last three or four weeks, they can't. They don't have a choice but to go uh, single on single with him because as soon as they doubled him, Jordy, here came B.J. Ojolari. Oh right? yeah. Here came Makai. Oh, yeah. Wing, you know, here came Makai Wingo, who had two pressures, didn't get a stack. I thought I, when I popped on the film, I thought it was Quaylen Roy's best game as a Tiger out outside of that Florida game in 2020. So mm-hmm. please double him because as soon as you start doing that, you're going to free up somebody else. And you know, that's going to be a big problem moving you forward. You know who else had his best game ever? It was Greg Penn. How good was he? 
Yeah, really good. Well, and, and you know, Jordy, I know Brian Kelly won't say this, but the best form of coaching is when a younger dude behind you comes up and pushes you. You yeah. can't teach that, right? Yeah, when you got that right. young buck behind him, he's like, hey, man, I ain't getting my spot taken. And really, truthfully, it was a lot like what we saw with Patrick Queen and a lot of these dudes who have who've been, you know, very impactful. Look, man, I ain't, I want to play. So, um, but, Jordan, I'm going to tell you this. You can't, you should, from a DeMario Tolan aspect and Greg Penn aspect, Jordy, you, you, they shouldn't be that big as human beings to run that fast. DeMario Tolan, Jordy, as much as everybody else is getting praise as freshmen, we're going to have to start talking more about him. He's a problem. He's a problem for, for offenses. If, Jordy, if, if Greg Penn went out, DeMario Tolan went in, you're not going to miss a beat. You might even get a little bit better. And I, I, <laughs> That's scary, to be honest. Yeah, the defense is really, really um... – and look, and Matt House Good. deserves a lot of credit. I'm I'm going to be curious if they're going to spy on on Perkins. Then I'm curious to see how they disguise him and how they move him around uh, to get him into positions where he can, um, as I know, old coach used to say, affect the quarterback. But man, he is so fast for that size. He is so fast. He, he's he's just. Um, uh, a rare commodity, to say the least. You know who else is really, I, I got to give a lot of credit to, and I don't know what caused this. I don't know what's happened, but Josh Williams has become a heck of a running back. And he runs hard. He runs with a purpose. He gets tough yards. Man, a former walk I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if that's Frank, Will, uh, you know, Frank Wilson doing the deal or whatever, but Josh Williams is a man. Well, I mean, this does everything good, and you can't, Jordan. We talk about how he's running through tackles. We talk about how he's got a very, a very good burst. We talk about his blocking. We talk about pass pro. We talk about all of it, but we never measure his heart, right? Like when nobody, no doubt. and I'm not saying nobody. I shouldn't say nobody, but he's just got a big heart, and he wants to play, and he wants to make something of himself. And really and truthfully, he's just the best back on the team. You know, I mean, because because of, because John Emery can't hold on to the football, he's yeah. the best back on the team. No question. If I need a tough yard, I'm giving it to him. He's going to get it. He is going to get it. He just keeps driving mm-hmm. and driving and driving. Okay, um, we saw the game plan from Arkansas and give them a lot of credit. Man, they blitzed like crazy. They tried to keep Daniels in the pocket. They were successful there. Um Anomaly or concern? I'm going to say anomaly to this extent. I don't think uh, – well, I, I want to be careful here, too. I, I, I think it was Mike Denbrock's worst call game as an LSU Tiger. Well, they got um, vanilla, didn't they? Say that again. I'm sorry. They, they got plain as Jane vanilla in that ball game. Yeah, well, the O-line played really bad in pass protection – I mean, just the basic blitzes that they weren't picking up. But yeah. the play calling's not conducive to what, you know, it doesn't help your offensive line at all either. You know, so as, a, as right. an example, you know, like you're taking Drew Sanders, who's the SEC sack leader, and he's coming on a full, absolute sprint before the right as the ball's being snapped and hitting Anthony Bradford or Miles Frazier a couple yards back. Well, 
that's that's going to really affect because you can't move as an offensive lineman. That's so, right. I, 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 Brian Kelly said it best today, and and, and listen. Jordy, no matter what Brian Kelly said, the best thing that he said today in his press conference was, it is my fault. I should have been, we should have been throwing some of the quicker screens, some of the quicker bubbles, and, yes. and things like that. And when he said that, I'm like, oh, okay, so you are. I mean, he knows. Now, the question that should have been asked was, well, why didn't you? And I have a pretty good feeling of why they didn't. You know, Jordy, that interception earlier in the game, the balls were wet. You, you know, just a lot of. I'll say it's anomaly. Now, I will say this. If 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 teams are going to send outside pressure now because of what happened last week, okay, you're going to mm-hmm. have to have your interior front three play a lot better because when yes. that happens, if Jane Daniels can step up, he'll, because Alabama, Jordy, Alabama did the same exact thing last week in a different way. The same exact thing. And, J- and Jaden was able to get through the middle and be able to eat him a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, teams are going to see it. I'm not worried about you know the next two, but when they get to Atlanta, that's that's a pretty good defense there, and and they'll see. So Blake yeah, Rafino, the do that. serious podcast, um, is with us. Um, can't take UAB lightly, obviously. Uh, but what nope. what do you anticipate as the message being sent this week? If, now, I know Brian Kelly might not say this, but if I'm in the locker room, I'm saying, guys, we got a chance to go back to playoff, right? Like, you can't – you this you isn't the lose. time. Yeah. yeah if, if this is the time where you got to be in that locker room saying, all right, now listen, okay, we got out of Arkansas. We're, we're out of there. It, it's time to go now, right? Like, it's, right. It, 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 it's time to go, okay? And you got to get ready to go, okay? Because – and here's another thing: you got to tell I'm these guys you. in the locker room too. Look, this is an opportunity to get better. Okay, you got to mm-hmm. go out there and start hitting your rhythm and start hitting back your stride. And really, Jordy, you got to get guys healthy. You got to you got to say you. If I'm Jay and I'm saying, guys, let's get out here, get out here early, score some points, get some of, some of these younger guys in here because there's right. no reason UAB should compete with you. Now, that's right. I will tell you. I will tell you now. Okay. They got some dudes in that front seven. They got some dudes that are going to play in the NFL. You can't mm-hmm. take them lightly. Now, uh, but you got you got better talent than they do. So go go handle your business. Get out of there. Get ready for A and M, and let's close out the regular season. I'm with you. I think you hit the nail on the head. You got to start talking about the playoff. I mean, look, this is our chance. Maybe they can do what Tennessee did against Missouri and, and score their 66 point. Well, under a minute to go, throwing the ball all over the yard. That's typical Tennessee. Yeah, act like you've been there before. Oh, no, you haven't been there before. Thank you, Tennessee. <laughs> well, well, Eli Drinkwitz also put his foot in his mouth earlier this season, too, yeah, calling Tennessee sure out. Did. That's what happens when you start talking trash. He sure did. No question about that. Uh, Blake Rafino with us. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about Daniels. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about offensive line uh, they've got to step up and play better uh they they just have to and um i i'm i'm with you i'm gonna i'm gonna give lsu a pass on that one look you man it sometimes it's hard it's it's hard to play at a high high level each and every week it's hard but if you can get away with a win um that's the most important thing that's the most important thing and how cool was that they landed and uh, for the first time in the history of the world since Nick Saban took over at Alabama, every 
LSU fan worldwide was pulling for Alabama to win. Every one of them. No, no doubt. I mean, because, Jordan, here, here's the thing. You, I mean, you know, especially coming off the game against Arkansas, every game in the SEC is tough. I get that Texas A&M is the worst team in the SEC West, but, Jordan, it's still the SEC, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, goofy things can happen. And goofy things can happen at night. So, long story short, you win it now. And look, if Brian Kelly said today, "Oh, we're not looking, we're not looking at Georgia." BS. Yeah, they are. They, they are looking at they are looking at Georgia. They're already breaking down film. And I promise you this: Cortez Hankton's going to be a key in that. Jordy, remember we said this today because what you know they haven't changed up a lot offensively, so he's going to be a key in that. I promise you. That's why they have so many of those uh, grad assistants and those um, consultants. That's all they do all day. So, right. The main staff is focusing on LSU and UAB. But all those guys behind it, they're breaking down every bit of Georgia tape for the past couple of years. Um, and that's no what doubt. they do. You're no absolutely, doubt. absolutely correct. Um, I can't believe I'm saying they're, they're going to Atlanta. I can't believe it. Good coaching matters. Good coaching matters. I mean, again, they they have the talent. And, and look, you know, Brian Kelly this weekend talked about, like, hey, you know, when I asked, like, what was the biggest thing that you bothered you when you left Notre Dame was that he could he was said he couldn't recruit, and he took that to personally. But they're only going to get better. Jordy, they could field an entire offense and defense with the scholarships that they have remaining that they could put on the field right now. And so and look, I'm not saying that they're going to – you know that I, I, I'm not going to say that this is the worst team that Brian Kelly is going to have at LSU, but it's the the team that will have the least amount of depth. And yeah. so the reason the way that they're here is just nothing short of of amazing. And and look, you know Texas loses. They did a typical Texas thing. Texas A and M's going south. I'm telling you, they're going to be some portal kids <laughs> available. And LSU looks like a pretty cool place to play again. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, you know, Jordy, as, as much as everybody's talked about NIL during the offseason, funny how nobody's talking about it now, right? Right. Except funny. Texas A&M. I, you know. I, had a guest, I had a guest on and said uh, message boards are saying um, A&M can pay Harold Perkins a heck of a lot more money than LSU can, so let's get them and, and get them out into the portal. That's what a crazy well, world this has become. Well, Jordan, I'll, I'll tell you this: everybody's saying that every A and M player that went to them last year is making seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Is not true. I agree. It's not true because because Jordy, if they were making that kind of money, they wouldn't be leaving A and M, or yep. this chatter wouldn't be coming up. You know it, and I know it. I'm with you. Seventy-five thousand dollars for an eighteen-year-old, Jordy. Some people, grown-ups, aren't making that type of money. I mean, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Look, what's more inviting? What's a more inviting place to go play? Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or College Station, Texas? Given all the circumstances, yep. it's not even close. Yeah, LSU, no doubt. Yeah, no it's doubt. not even close. All right, so you take the win, you run with it, um. And hopefully, here's my prediction. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. That game, and you don't measure one game, but in my opinion, Jaden Daniels comes back next year, and uh, Garrett Nussmeyer hits the portal, and he may be playing for another SEC school next year. It's just a thought. Just my thoughts at this point in time. Agree, disagree, or call me crazy? Uh, 
I don't know about Jaden yet. I do think you're right on Garrett because I, I mean, Jordan, he's not. You know, I'm gonna be cautious here. Now that we're at UAB, okay, and you only have two more games the regular season, and Walker Howard's only played in one game, Jordan, don't be surprised if you start hearing this little number coming out. Walker Howard's go about. You know, he's played his way into number two. Watch what I'm telling you. Because just listen, I'm telling you. So don't be don't be surprised if you hear that. So Jordy, if that's happening now, I mean, come on, come on. He's not going to be out Walker. I promise you. Two names: Cortez Hankton and Walker Howard. Okay, we'll we'll see. We shall see. But I I really believe that's going to happen. I think Daniels. I think Daniels comes back. I don't think he's ready for the NFL. I think there's enough NIL money to to keep him here, make him happy. And I think LSU, like you said going to have a better team next year and they got a chance to really do something and his draft stop can go up and up and up so that's why i think he comes back and that's why i think nussmeyer leaves we shall see i've been wrong before i've been right before we shall see but i'm right because i get you on as a guest on mondays and that's good for (laughs) all of us so thank you as always Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate it. You got it. All right. That's Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious podcast. Take our final time out. Say our goodbyes. We got some birthday wishes, and uh, we'll set the stage for tomorrow as well here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a stake. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. In case you're interested, the uh, SEC championship game more than two weeks away. The matchup is set between LSU and Georgia. And the betting line has been set as well. Caesars Sportsbook has the Georgia Bulldogs favored by 16 over LSU. So the Bulldogs getting 16 to the Tigers. All right. Um, special thanks to our guest, Chris Roseverglue on the Aints because they stink. Glenn West on the Tigers. Jim Gazzola trying to get a three-game win streak if they can beat Lamar on Saturday on Senior Day. Three-game win streak. That would be terrific to close out the year and Blake Rafino. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your birthday with King Charles III is 74 years old today. He played for the Hornets. He played for a bunch of teams. Now he does some television work. D-Dub, David Wesley, is 52 years old. And from Amit to Tuscaloosa, to Philadelphia, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, is 24 year, years young today. Man. All right. Um, tomorrow, more on the Tigers. Uh, the Cajuns getting ready to go on the road for their final regular season matchup. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll have a Saints report with Bob Rose, the Black and Gold report as well. James, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Stay thirsty, be healthy, stay kind, and be happy. So long, everybody.